Good morning. Um, before I introduce our guest speaker, I, I do want, I'm not going to embarrass him too much, um, but my oldest brother is here. A few weeks ago, my mom was here with my, one, another one of my brothers. I've got four brothers and one sister. Um, so, I know, right? Um, I'm the youngest of the six. David's the oldest. He's the one that's here today with his wife and their kids. And I'm not going to embarrass him, so, but I just, last time somebody said, your mom is here, you didn't say anything. I was like, sorry. Um, I know, I got scolded. By her, too. No, she didn't scold me. It's all good. She, she likes to be anonymous. That's okay. But, uh, and so, to my brother and his family and many others who are visiting today, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're glad you're here to worship with us today, and you're, gonna, you're in for a treat. Uh, a friend of mine, his name is Brad Hertig, is here today to, to share. And I first met Brad, I'm going to say maybe 10 or 12 years ago. is right when I was, I was getting started with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I went to this small church in Nay, Ohio. And it was a men's prayer breakfast. Now, again, a Saturday morning, and I'm thinking, making that drive 40 minutes away, and, and here's all these men, you know, and they're, they're, they're glad to be there on a Saturday morning because they're eating, okay? But yet it's still early, and here's this one kid. He had to be in his mid-20s at that point in time, maybe. Maybe younger, I can't remember. Um, but I'm looking at him. He's got the biggest smile on his face. And I'm thinking, if you're that young, and you had a men's prayer breakfast on a Saturday morning, there's something wrong with you, okay? Guys his age should be sleeping in or something, right? And there he has a big smile on his face and everything, and then I noticed he's got prosthetic arms. He'd had something horrific happen in his life, and he's still smiling. I'm thinking, I've got to meet this young man when I'm done talking. So I got done, and I met Brad, and, and I'm telling you, it's been a delight to know him ever since. This young man loves Jesus, and uh, he's going to share with you this morning what happened in his life and how God's still working through his life. I pray it's going to be a blessing for you all this morning. So, Brad, would you please come forward and share with our church? Thank you, church. Good morning. It is uh, exciting to be here, and... uh, yeah, thanks for recounting that story, Rex. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's been good to, to know Rex. And certainly, I think you probably already know this, but you are very blessed as a church to have Rex. Um, phenomenal guy. Get to know him through FCA, working with him. Just a great leader and just a man of encouragement. I mean, every time I meet him, he's always encouraging, always inspiring. And so that's a huge thing, and we're very grateful to, to be able to work with uh, Rex. Uh, so as Rex said, I, he basically asked me to come share my story with you. And uh, I plan to, to do that. Uh, but really, before I get into it, I, I just want to touch on the, uh, the concept of story. Um, and, you know, story is, is something that we use all around us. It's used in our culture all, all the time. We, we hear stories told in, in the books that we read, right? The movies that we watch, the TV shows that we watch. There's a, there's a story being told. You know, even the songs that we listen to, there's a story and so story is a, is a very powerful medium. It's a very powerful way of connecting. We connect through story. And, and so I, I hope to share my story with you in a way that you would connect, that it would be meaningful to you. Uh, and my encouragement ultimately, though, would be for you to consider in your own life how God is writing his unique story in your life with his grace. And so I plan to give testimony to that this morning. Uh, I'll begin telling my story by just simply asking you a question. Uh, the question is this. What if, in the blink of an eye, 
you were to lose both of your hands. Just like that. Gone. How would you respond? Like, how different would your life be from that moment going forward? Well, that became my reality after just finishing my sophomore year of high school. Now, I grew up with a mom and dad, three older brothers. Uh, My one older brother, named Chris, entered our family a whole two minutes ahead of me. It was a lot of fun growing the twins, a lot of cool things together. Uh, But my dad was was always a a very hands-on type of person, still is. Uh, And so we all, my brothers and I, we all learned a lot of hands-on skills from him. Uh, He's like this Mr. Fix-It, do-it-yourself kind of guy. Uh, In fact, uh, when we were in eighth grade, we as a family practically built our own house. And I actually thought construction would be something I would actually go into and do for a living just because I loved working with my hands, making things, building things. I'm also from a small town and went to a small school. And like most guys in my small school, I played three sports. You know, athletics were a big part of my life. Um, Even as a sophomore, I ended up becoming the starting middle linebacker on the varsity football team. Ended up breaking the school record for tackles in a single season that year. And so just just overall, I was a very hands-on, very active person. And yet, most all of that changed for me in just one night. So I just finished my sophomore year of high school. We're just a week or two into the summer break. My family and I were over helping my older brother clear some brush around his house or some shrubs. And while we were doing that, my good friend named Keenan called. His dad actually owns a factory in town, and he was calling to see if Chris and I would be interested in working that night. Well, we were kind of excited about that. Of course, we'd be earning some extra money and helping out. But we were also hesitant for a couple of reasons. One was that in order to work through the night, it meant that we were going to have to be up for 24 straight hours. And at that point in time, neither Chris or I had been up that long, so... You know, we didn't know if we'd actually have enough energy to, to make it through the night. That actually was not our biggest concern, though. We were, we were more concerned about the baseball game that we had the next day. And, you know, being big athletes, we were concerned that after trying to work all through the night then come home and sleep all day, that we would be too tired and, and then not play well for the game. Well, Chris and I talked about it, and I thought, yeah, I think we can handle it. And so we called Keenan back and said we're in, and, so we get home from my brothers, we change our clothes, but instead of going to bed like normal that night, we actually took off for the factory. And when we got there, we found out that we would be operating a 500-ton power press. Now, if you're like me at the time, some of you, sounds like you're familiar with a device like that, a machine like that, but basically it's this huge machine used to bend and form sheet metal into car parts. So it takes a lot of force, a lot of power to do that. Um, I know there's a picture on the screen. It doesn't really do it justice just because it's so big. I mean, it would, it would clear the ceiling in here. Uh, in fact, they're so big, this press, they actually cut out the cement and buried it in the ground like five or six feet. So it's huge. Uh, in fact, when we pulled up that night, you could feel the vibrations in, sitting in your car, the vibrations of when the press would come down and stamp the sheet metal pieces in the factory. Extreme amount of force, extreme amount of power. So Chris Keenan and I, us three guys, would be operating this press throughout the night. Uh, Really didn't have anything difficult to do. We just had to move some sheet metal pieces that were roughly the size of a piece of paper from one station of the press to the next. And there were like four different stations. 
So we developed a method where us three guys would step up to the press, move the sheet metal pieces, and then step back. When we did that, my good friend, Keenan, actually stepped away from the press to push the buttons. He had to turn his back to it. That would activate the press. The press would come down. It would stamp the sheet metal and then go back up. So it was about halfway through the night that we had actually stepped up to the press, moved the sheet metal pieces, and stepped back. Well, as we did that, I noticed that one of the pieces didn't get lined up right. It was crooked. And I instinctively knew that if the press would run, it would ruin the part. So I reached back in to adjust it, not knowing that my friend had already turned his back to the press to push the buttons. Of course, there are machines uh, that are mounted with lasers, and this machine had these lasers on it to protect this machine and myself. Later, finding out, it looked like the machine, the lasers were actually mounted far enough away from the press. I was able to reach in just past the lasers and not be detected. And so, as I'm reaching in, the 500-ton power press that, that you can feel running while in the parking lot came down while both of my hands were inside. The first thing that I actually remember was not the physical pain or even a physical sensation. The first thing that I actually remember was hearing someone else scream at what they saw when they looked at me. And I remember then having this panicky feeling kind of come up within me, knowing like, this is not good, I, I need help. And so I actually quickly left the press and actually went over towards my boss to get to him, but before I got to him, I thought, I have to see how bad this is for myself. And as I looked down, it's, it's not good. <laughs> um, in fact, it's uh, sometimes usually just as easy to try to show you as it is to try to explain. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll actually just show you uh, what my left side looked like uh, when I reached down or looked down. Now, as I look down, I say what it mostly looked like because part of my hand was actually still attached. And, of course, the doctors tried to save this later on, and they weren't able to. So I was later taken off. And after looking at that, I thought, okay, that's pretty bad. And I looked to my right, just hoping it would be a little bit better. And as I look over to the right, it's not. It's actually worse. Half of my arm was, was missing. And I still remember looking down and, and really seeing this for the first time. Just thinking, okay, I do not need to see that again. It's bad. And so by this time I get to my boss and, and he's like in shock. What he's looking at, he's almost like shaking me saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you say? I'm having a great night, right? <laughs> not really. But he quickly leads me to his vehicle. We, we speed off to the hospital. And I mean, it's not a long drive. I mean, literally it's just a, a couple of minutes down the road but there's enough time for me to start to think and you know, I start to think about my life and how different it was going to be and how I'm never going to play sports again. I mean, in fact, I started hysterically saying that out loud, I'm never going to play sports again, I'm never going to play sports again. 
I mean, here I was, the three-sport athlete, the, the starting middle linebacker, but now I don't have hands. I so desperately wanted to go back. I mean, just a couple of minutes and change what just happened. But I couldn't. I mean, there was no going back. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever said something, even done something, where you instantly regretted it, but yet you know you can't go back and change it. Uh, we ended up getting to the hospital, and I, I didn't stay there long. I get life-flighted from that hospital to a larger hospital um, where I actually stayed for 11 days and, and went through multiple surgeries. Uh, and then I basically came home to start a new life without hands. Now think about that for a moment. How, how often do you use your hands? Right? I mean, you use them all the time for everything. And you don't even think about it. Something I found in this situation, though, was that God was bigger than my accident and that he was bigger than my loss. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the church, and uh, I remember when I was about six or seven, really coming to the realization for myself that God is real and, and just, just recognizing that I needed Jesus and asking him into my heart then and just having this sense of, of being small and just having this wonder of God and this awe of who he was. And, you know, from that, I believe that God has been with me in spite of this accident happening. You know, and, you know, we often would ask questions of why, and I certainly did. I, I wondered, like, God, what, why did you let this happen? Like, what is going on here? I, for me, I, I wrestled with these bigger things, I, um, but I, but for the most part, I had this mentality of keep moving forward, keep pressing on. I, I can't let the past, I can't change it. So why, why deal with that? Just keep moving forward. But, but at the same time, I, I felt like I was trying to bury something that wasn't being buried. And I had to deal with this head on. And I remember just going to God and just simply asking him, why? Why did you let this happen? Like, what am I supposed to do with my life now? And, you know, maybe you've asked God similar questions in your own life. You know, you're, you're confused at what God is doing or, or what he's not doing in your life. Or maybe you're angry at God. There's something I think certainly God wants you and me to know. And that is that, that God loves you. And he loves me right where you are. You know, in that moment as I was just laying on the couch praying and asking God why... I felt a calmness come over me. I felt a peace. It was almost as if Jesus was saying, Brad, you know, I see you, I have got you, and I am with you. Now, he didn't, he didn't answer all my questions, <laughs> but he gave me what I needed. He gave me that peace that surpassed understanding. And it's really through that peace that I've had this uh, type of strength that God has just blessed me with. And and you know, if a person doesn't have peace in their heart, they don't have strength, right? Or at least they don't reach the full potential of their strength. And really that peace that starts, that starts with our relationship with God. We have to make peace with God. And certainly we do that through Jesus. That Jesus came to this earth, he lived a perfect life for you and me. Not only did he live for you, but he also died for you. And not only did he die for you, but he also rose from the dead for you. And this is incredible that God has done this for you and for me. That he would accept me. That he would accept you. 
and really having that relationship and that peace with God, then he brought an even deeper peace uh, with me, enabling me to, to really have a peace going through this whole accident um, in a way that I, it's hard to explain because it did. It surpassed my understanding in, in ways that I, didn't even, I can't really put words to. But really, God's grace has been working through this. Uh, I, I view that as a type of grace that God was working in this situation. Um, and I just, I know I kind of touched on the word grace at the beginning, but I want to read a, a simple passage to you. Um, it's a, we often throw this word grace around a lot in the church, and sometimes we just say things, and, it, and over time we kind of lose its meaning. And I just want to be refreshed in, in really what I think grace is. And um, it's really, I, I like what Chuck Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll said. He, he's a minister out of Texas, and uh, he said that grace is something that you don't deserve, something that you can't earn, and something that you can, once you receive it, you can't even give it back. And as I thought about that, it just paints this person as utterly helpless, right? You can't get this thing on your own. You can't earn it. You, can't, you don't deserve it. But at the same time, once you receive it, you can't give it back. It's pretty helpless. And the truth is, we are helpless without his grace. And so God's grace is, for me, I often would think of it as like almost one-time thing, right? Like salvation, like he gives you this grace, gives you eternal life. But it's much more than that, much more than that. Uh, it's a continuation of God pouring into your life, free of charge to you. But it was a costly thing. Uh, the acronym uh, GRACE uh, sometimes is used, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? You've heard that, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's an expensive ex- exchange there, through Christ what's paid. Uh, but it's free to us. So uh, GRACE, though, I, I like this uh, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 8, and I believe it should be on the screen. Uh, you just listen to the words. You can hear the fullness of his grace here. Just hear the fullness of his grace. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I'm not sure if that screen has a little bit different uh, translation. But if you can hear the, the fullness of that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. When you hear the fullness of their, God's enabling power for every good work. And I've seen, certainly seen his grace at work in my life in different ways. Uh, one would be, I would say, my family. Family was huge going through this. Uh, there's different examples, but I remember my mom just certainly taking me all over the practice field, dropped me off, taking to doctor's appointments, therapy, all these different sessions. Uh, my twin brother, Chris, I went back to school without the prosthetics my junior year. And, of course, I like to eat. And so I'd go into the lunchroom, and Chris would carry my tray for me. We'd sit down at the lunch table, and he would spoon-feed me because I couldn't pick up a spoon. And so there's so many different ways that my family helped me, and it, it was hard to really put into words what that meant. But I like what First John four eighteen says, and it says that the perfect love drives out fear. That the perfect love casts out fear. And, and really what that means to me is that, that through, their, through their unconditional love of loving me, like I wasn't doing a whole lot for them. They were pouring a lot into me. But through their love to me, their unconditional love to me, it was, they were meeting my needs, taking care of this, taking care of that. And I didn't have to worry about how I'm going to take care of this, how I'm going to do this. 
No, it was through their love that they were driving out the worry, driving out the fear in my life. That's what love does, right? It replaces the fear in our lives. And, and yet I can think about that verse even more and, and think about how much more pure and powerful is God's love for each of us, right? Now, I don't love my family perfectly. They don't love me perfectly. I'm not sure about your family, <laughs> But how much more pure and more powerful is God's love for each of us? And how much more should that drive out the worry, drive out the concern in our own lives? That's all his grace is all about. We don't deserve that love, but he lavishes it on us. Another big grace to me uh, has been using prosthetics. Um, you know, this is something that uh, I feel very blessed to be able to use and even have devices like this. Um, I do get a lot of questions on them, so let me just, I'm going to slip them back on. Uh, actually, what I use is hand sanitizer, and uh, that's just something to, to really get my arms kind of slippery enough to, to push into the sockets. And so I'm just going to, I guess it doesn't matter which one. I'm going to put the right one on here first. Pretty simple. There's actually a, a little on switch. You probably heard it beep as I shut it off earlier. There it is. And we're active. All right. Love that. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty cool devices. Um, and I do use them and lean on them heavily uh, for my daily, you know, I take care of my own home. I cook clean. I travel all over. Um, and so they do work well. And I feel, again, very blessed to use them. Uh, and I'll just give a real quick demonstration of actually how they work. And you guys can actually demonstrate it, if you would, uh, by just simply holding up one of your arms out in front of you. Just hold up my arm up. And I'll show you guys how these work. So they actually work off the muscle movements of my arm. So as I bend my hand backwards, and you go ahead and bend your hand backwards, this hand, oh, let me show close it. It opens. <laughs> and then as I bend my hand down, you can bend your hand down, this closes. So just bend back and forth, bend back and forth. That's all I'm doing to actually make these work. Uh, these, these are kind of newer, fancier ones, so the, the thumb actually changes position. You can change the, the thumb position and do some things like that. Um, so... They're kind of fun, in a sense. Uh, do some different things. Uh, one interesting fact is I have no feeling in my hands, right? So, you know, getting stuff out of the freezer, I can pull stuff out, no big deal. Uh, getting stuff out of the oven, I don't have to wear the oven mitts. I just pull stuff right out of the oven mitts and set it down. <laughs> Works great. So every year I save money on oven mitts. You can't beat that, right? So there's all kinds of things, right? You just have a, you know, look on the good side of things. Uh, so I do, I do feel very blessed with these. Um, but even... An, Another blessing and God's grace just working, opening a door that I thought for sure was a closed door, was coming back and, and getting the opportunity to play football again. Uh, my coach visited me in the hospital even then and said, hey, you know, we'd love to have you back out. We don't know what you can do, but come back on the team. We'll just have you join the team and just take it one step at a time. Well, it sounded great. And so we went out to practice, and I'm just out there hanging around. And as I get thirsty... I'd go up to the trainers, and I'd ask them for a drink of water. Again, I didn't have the prosthetics yet. And so as they get thirsty, I'd just go up to the trainers and say, hey, can I drink? So they'd pick up the water bottle, squirt it in my mouth, work great. They did that all practice long. Well, then at the end of practice, there was actually a water bottle sitting at my coach's feet. And I'm getting thirsty again. So I said, "Uh, hey, coach, can I get a drink? Pointed out to him, thinking he would pick it up, just like the trainers have been doing. Instead, coach looks at the water bottle, looks up at me, and, and then he thinks for a moment. But then he says something that really would ultimately change my life. He said, if you're thirsty enough, you'll find a way. It's like, 
what? <laughs> like, wait a second, coach. Like, I don't have any hands. Like, you pick it up, jerk. Like, <laughs> now, I didn't have the courage to actually say that out loud, but you know what I mean, right? But he had realized something I hadn't, and, and that was that losing my hands really was not the issue. The issue, I just wasn't willing to. And I was comfortable using my accident as an excuse. And so he challenged me, and I, saw, I kind of saw what he was up to, and I'd reach down to my knees and squeeze the water bottle, and I picked up between my elbows, pulled the cap, and squeezed, and ah, like water never tasted so good. And I tossed it back down to his feet with a big grin on my face, like, yeah, what's up now, coach? Right? <laughs> But Coach was really instrumental, and I saw God really working through him as well, uh, and challenging me, and, and not to give up so easily. You know, not to think that I'm so helpless, and use these different excuses in my life. Um, and so I would continue to be challenged in, in trying to find that way, and uh, even coming back, and ultimately getting the opportunity to play middle linebacker again. Um, even that position I mentioned earlier about breaking the, the record at, um, we took things one step at a time, and he had me come out and be this kicker, the PAT kicker, and... From the very first kick in practice, we all knew that I was not going to be a kicker. Like, it was terrible. I mean, I, so I struggled. And I, and I went out to the games, and I would kick. I had three different opportunities. I went out and kicked first time, missed it. Go on a second time, missed it. Go on a third time, missed another one. And then finally, the fourth one, I actually make a 17-yard kick, an extra point. No big deal, right? Finally make it. Uh, I get a standing ovation, not even from our crowd, but the opposing team's fans were cheering for me. Which you know, they're like feeling sorry for this dude. Like, okay, he finally made one, right? And so I run off and give my big co- uh, coach a big hug. And he's like, you're moving on to the next goal. And so we continue to practice and work on these different things. And ultimately, I did end up coming back and, and playing a little bit my junior year of a middle linebacker. Uh, without these hands, uh, I actually would play with um, these pads. And I think there's a picture that would show up. Um, would actually put these pads, I would take these pads, the prosthetics off, put the pads on, tape them on my arms, and I'd go out and play. And, I mean, it worked, right? And so, uh, so I ended up going to play a little bit my junior year, but then ultimately coming back my senior year, uh, in which I regained the starting middle linebacker position. Uh, but not only that, I actually ended up leading the team again with 111 tackles. It was a great year. It was an awesome opportunity. Uh, and really God opened up doors that I thought for sure were closed, was a closed door. So again, just seeing his grace work in so many different ways. Um, but you know, there's, there's three things that we just kind of want to point out and, and just briefly touch on that help me better see God's grace in my own life. And I would hopefully it would help you to better see God's grace working in your own life as well as he's writing that story. Um, the first is when this accident happened, I, I really felt like I had a choice. And, and I would suggest that you would have a choice, too, when you, when you experience something difficult, that, that I felt like I had a choice. I could go down this path of bitterness, of anger, of God, telling God, I don't need you. Or I could go down this path of, God, I, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need your strength. I think we all have that choice. We're going to either cling to him or we're going to collide with him, Right? And certainly that starts with having that relationship. Having that relationship with, with God. And knowing that you can't do it on your own. Uh, the second thing is really um, seeing the big picture. Just seeing the big picture. W- when this accident happened, I was immediately taken from, from the accident scene and taken to the hospital. My twin brother Chris and his good, uh, my, our good friend Keenan stayed back at the factory. And they were 
obviously there just like saw this horrific thing happen. So some people were called to go in and some adults to, to comfort them and tell them Brad's going to be okay or something, right? And they get there and they're talking to Chris and Keenan and it was amazing because Chris actually responded back to them. And now this is, this is actually after Chris went back to the press, had to pull stuff out of the press to salvage what he could for the hospital. This is after Chris hears the helicopter fly over knowing I'm being life flighted somewhere. And Chris yet responds to them saying, I know Brad's going to be okay. He's not going to have to deal with this forever. And really what he was saying there is this eternal perspective that we have as believers, that, that what we experience here is not forever. We're not trapped by the pain in this world. Uh, the Bible talks about how brief life is, that it's like a mist, a breath, right? That we're only here for a little while. You know, even um, Isaiah 55 uh, talks about how God's ways are higher than our ways, or his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't fully understand the bigger things that are happening, I don't think. We're, we're finite people in a finite world. And so really just clinging to the bigger promises and bigger understanding of who God is has been huge. And I think is a, is a way to better see his grace in your own life as well. And then the third thing, just briefly, would be to share your story. Right? I mean, we all have a story. We all have a story to be heard, a story to be told. And you know, I think this is just one way one way that God redeems our struggles and our pain by bringing good out of it, by you sharing your story, encouraging another, building another up. Because we all have stuff. We all deal with stuff. And keeping that to ourselves is not helping the body. Right? We're encouraged to share and to encourage and build up one another. And so these are just three things that I've seen in my own life that, that would encourage you to, to maybe see in your own life how God is writing that story. Um... Let me just close with a, a story, I think uh, a passage actually from Scripture that is uh, pretty meaningful to me, and hopefully it'll be meaning to you for you as well. Um, it'll kind of wrap up with the idea of God's grace. And this is a, a powerful story that probably most of us are familiar with if you've grown up in the church. It's uh, known as the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. And uh, this is something that God is... Uh, what Paul is talking about here, but then God says something to him that I think is is meaningful to us as well. Uh, Paul says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Now, maybe just pause just for a second. In a general way, you could say that we all have thorns, Right? And we all have something that's in our lives that, that's limiting us, prohibiting us from doing something. That, uh, maybe it's physical, maybe it's mental, emotional, relational, like whatever it is. We, we all have these types of thorns in our own lives. And this thorn was in Paul. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, God said to me, and this is, this is where I think God speaks to all of us as well. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's really in our weaker moments, I think, that, that we can better understand God's power. I think because we are made in his image, and therefore we are, we are strong. And yet at the same time, life is so fragile, it's, it's like walking on a thread And until that thread breaks, we don't realize how fragile it is. 
and how much we need him. And you know, um, looking at this story, it, it seems like God never takes this thorn from Paul. And in the same way, God may not be taking that thorn from you in your life. And you wonder, like, why? Why not, God? I don't know your why. But perhaps God is reminding you that you can't do this on your own. And that you were never meant to. You know, Jesus... There's a beckoning from Jesus saying, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's a daily invitation. And so no matter you know, where you find yourself at today, wh- whether it's in the, the darkest, deepest season of your life, or, or it's the best season of your life, there is a continual invitation from Jesus to come. To come. Receive my grace. Let me write my story in your life. And I hope that we all could be like the Apostle Paul who said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Pray with me. Father God, I just so thank you for your word and your grace. A grace that we don't deserve, we've not earned, and we can never even repay. And yet you lavish it on each of us through your son Jesus. And so God, we just give you thanks for this day, this day that you have made, and we rejoice in it. And I I just pray, God, that that your grace would be fresh in this place, in our lives, that, God, we would would find you to be strong when we are weak, that we'd find your grace at work in our lives, that we would surrender our hearts to you completely, fully, and allow you to write that redemptive story in our own lives. So, God, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for this body that loves you, that adores you, and lifts up the name of Jesus. And it is his holy and precious name that we pray these things. Amen.